God is good. And all the time, please hold your applause. I haven't spoken yet. It is such a privilege to be here this morning. First, because of my great love for Newcom, but because of the history that we shared together. Uh, uh, first, I want to say, you know, I visit a lot of churches. You are not an independent church. You are a part of the Evangelical Covenant Church and the Central Conference in the five-state area. All 111 churches are with you. You're not alone in a process. This is where you would say amen, hallelujah, throw a shoe, something. Okay? And we have such incredible friends here at Newcom as well. Uh, but I want you to know, not every church has a band like this. Yeah. You owe me 20 bucks. You said 20 bucks, right? Right. Okay. And also, not every church has a staff the way that you do. So you have an incredible staff. Emily and Ruth, specifically, thank you so much for the service. You know, there are people that really give themselves into the kingdom, and these are, you know, a few examples of those folks. Of course, uh, dear friends, come here. Your leadership team, my goodness. Do you know how we look at Dr. Michael Emerson in the Evangelical Covenant Church? When, when we see his name, we usually do the sign of the cross. That's just, just to tell you that, you know. Michael is not only brilliant, but he's humble. He is just a good man, and, you know, we just appreciate him so much, Michael. Thank you. It's, it's great to be your friend, and it's great to, uh, to walk with you. Uh, your leadership team has also been uh, uh, doing incredible things. You can put my slides up. Yeah, let's give my hand as well. By the way, the more you applaud, the more you say hallelujah, amen, the faster the sermon goes. So, yeah, we, do, we do have till 3 o'clock. I don't think anybody's kicking us out. So I want you to know, and my dear friend Michelle Sanchez is part of the, your church as well. Uh, she is just someone that has done an amazing job in making deepened disciples. Thank you so much, Michelle. And, and Mickey's okay too, I guess. You know, yeah, so... All right. Well, I want you to know, since I'm finishing up your, your series on you know, how to deal in the face of, of change, can I, test, can I have somebody testify nobody likes change? We like, it's good Americans, we like what we like when we like it. That's just who we are, right? We like comfort. We like being safe. And in the face of 19 children being slaughtered this week, and two teachers, how can anybody feel safe? So we want to just take a pause this morning, and we want to mourn with those who mourn. Now, just to make it a little more complicated, I want you to think of the fact that the shooter is, was Latino. Notwithstanding the fact that many of the kids that were shot were Latino as well. And if you're Latino, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And if you are a minority, you, you, I think you get what we're talking about. So there's already a level of distrust and a level of not belonging that it gets accentuated. Can I ask you to bow your heads and just have a moment of silence? Father, hear our prayer. We pray for the people of Ubalde in Texas. But we pray for all the people in the United States that are suffering a loss from a shooting, from violence.
for not belonging. Father, we are your children, and we beg of you to intervene. Thank you for being our God. Allow us to do the right thing as the church and stand with those that are hurting without politics, without our own thoughts, but knowing that people are hurting at this point. We bless you in the name of Jesus. Amen. One of the things that I wanted to change in the face of transition this week, and I didn't mean to start on a downer, but we, have to, we had to acknowledge that. Amen. Uh, but uh, I have been working very hard during this past four years. I just finished my first term as superintendent, which is kind of an overseer for all the churches, specifically the churches and the pastors, over 275 of them. And I've been working a little hard, actually a lot hard, because we had to fix quite a few things. But in the month of February, I received an incredible gift, a month off as sabbatical. So I want you to know, I went away to Guatemala for the whole month, and, and I was seeking 90-degree weather. I found 72-degree weather. I took it because it was zero in Chicago. And I want you to know, I've been supporting an orphanage there for over 30 years, so you can see some of the pictures that are going on in the back. And you can only get to the orphanage by boat. It's called Casa Guatemala. Would you say that with me? Casa Guatemala. Not Guatemala or Walla Walla, Guatemala. Someone said to me, what part of Mexico is that? And I said, it's, it's not. And then they said, Puerto Rico? Ay, Señor Jesús, es la gente que no sabe geografía, hombre. Ay. I'm sorry, did the Latinos sneak out? Okay. So you can see, uh, we, I was, I've, I've been helping them for 30 years. I am not a, a member of their board, but I am a supporting member, and I come visit every year, except during COVID. And I have been serving them for 30 years. I, as a recording artist, before I became a superintendent, I was uh, doing records and stuff. I would sell records. Some of you have no idea what that is. <laughs> You're like, oh my God, what is records? <laughs> You go to a record store. <laughs> my first cassette was Michael Jackson's Thriller. Oh, my goodness. And I, was, I, was this, I had decided that I was going to end my relationship with them. I've been supporting them for 30 years, right? So I think the, the picture is coming up where they were receiving me with this big banner that said, Muchas gracias. And I said, okay, another 30 years is fine. <laughs> That's the one. And I, you know, every time I go there, my heart gets broken because I am so privileged. I have a home. I have a car. I have a couple of dollars in the bank. I have a job. And I have a job that I really love. It's a hard job, but I love it. I wouldn't change it for anything. Well, almost anything. But these kids don't really have anything. And to see them play with a with a plastic ball. And the reason that I'm bringing this up is because I, get, I asked your uh, leadership for permission to offer something that your parents used to use for music called CDs. Some of you don't know what this is. These are MP3s on a disc. Now, when I told my friend Armida I was bringing this, she goes, you're bringing CDs? Really? 
<laughs> Why don't you bring eight tracks too? Oh my goodness. And some of you have no idea what that is either. <laughs> and that's okay. You can Google it later, okay? And, uh, and the reason that I offer CDs, I'm doing it now because during COVID, I had Mondays off, so it was really cool. I recorded a whole album that's doing really well on Spotify. And uh, the reason that I sell these CDs for 15 bucks is because one CD feeds one child for two weeks, three meals a day. So it gives everyone an opportunity to be owner of that vision with me. And I want to show you this last picture. It's a picture of three cows. I had a friend of mine who has an orphanage in Tanzania, Africa, came to my church. I didn't let him preach because in Africa the sermon is three and a half hours. And I am an American after all, right? So, you know, please, 35 minutes, you know, all right, come on. And, uh, and he did, see, he said a greeting for 20 minutes. And then as he was sitting down, he goes, all we're asking the Lord is for a cow. Now, that's not something you hear in church every Sunday. And I, I so when he sat down, I go, so how much is a cow? Why a cow, first of all? And she goes, well, if we had a cow, we wouldn't kill it for the meat, what we would do is we have it for milk, and with that milk, we could, not only our kids would taste milk for the first time, oh, I mean, that just hits me. How many times have I thrown a gallon of milk that we didn't have, you know, that we didn't even taste in our home? He goes, our kids could taste milk for the first time, and then anything that's over, we can make cheese and sell it to the rest of the village. So I said something I didn't, I usually don't say in church. I go, let's buy a cow. And we raised an offering. How much is a cow? He said, $500. And I said, well, let's pick up an offering. So we picked up an offering, which we didn't do very much. Our church was a multicultural church. We have a lot of minorities. We had a lot of uh, limited folks. And uh, we picked up $1,500 and we bought three cows. So he called me. He goes, Pastor Danny, thank you. We, can, we bought the three cows. And that's not the picture, by the way. That's one I got from the internet. The one he sent me was really bad. I'm like, I'm not showing that picture. So I go, let me show some nice cows, you know. And uh, so, yeah, I'm just being honest, right? So uh, the first cow, he goes, we want a name after your multicultural church. What is the name of it? I go, it's Grace Covenant Church. Okay, the first one we're going to call Grace. The second one, what's the name of your Latina church? Because I also planted a church in Spanish. And I go, well, that's Iglesia del Pacto Nueva Visión. And he's like, oh, no, that's too long. Can we call it Visión? And I go, Visión, sure, vision, you know, marble, sure, okay. And uh, the third one, he goes, I hope you don't mind. We're going to call it Dr. Danny. <laughs> now, you laugh because the cow is not named after you, but... So I have a cow named Dr. Danny somewhere in Tanzania. And we've decided to do the same thing for our orphanage. So if you wanted to gift our orphanage a cow, it's $500, and we can name it after you if you would like. <laughs> so if you don't mind, I wanted to sing a song this morning. Would that be okay? Okay, only three set, but I got the mic. What are you going to do, right? So would you mind playing that for me? This, is song, this song is called Colores, and it talks about having discernment on who your friends are. You can only tell people by their colors. That, that's what we say in Spanish. It's a Spanish song. If you want to clap with it, you can. If you want to dance, you are being released this morning. If you don't have the gift of dancing, well, the spirit of Shakira may fall upon you this morning. So this is how you see the generation. All the young people laughed, and the older folks go, Shakira? Is that a Hebrew word that means something? I don't know. Would you mind playing that song, please? This is called Colores. Colores. 
God. Thank you. I saw some of you in the chair going like this. I, I saw you. Some of you did not want to move, but kind of your eyebrows are like going like that. So praise God for that. Well, the, the reading of the word this morning, I'm still going to preach. Some of you are saying, oh, God. Some of you coming at this time was like, is this new come? What is this? It's found in John chapter 14, verse 1 through 6. You know this by memory. I mean, this is, this is just, we, we all know this. And it says, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, I would have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you. It's a question. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. And Thomas said, uh, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? And Jesus answered, would you read that with me? I am the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father except, except, very good. So as we, as we get into the Word and we face uh, change and transition, oh my goodness, I remember Pastor Peter wanting to plant this church many years ago and this being a, a vision and being just a dream. And I remember pa uh, playing a chick. How many of you know what chick is? Our, it's not a woman. It's, uh, it's what our event for, for youth used to be called with the Covenant Church. And Peter and I were on stage. He was on an electric guitar. When I was on a, he was on an acoustic guitar. I was on an electric guitar. And we were jamming, thinking we're rock stars, right? And, uh, and then for him to plant a church like this and to, and to build the kind of ministry that this was built, you know, we, we thank God for the way that he's used Pastor Peter. Amen? Amen? Not only is he a, a talented speaker, he is also a, a gifted musician. And seeing him understand what the kind of vision that this was and how he was going to lead it to this point has been amazing. God has been good to us. God has been with us all along the way. Is it messy? Yes. And by the way, being a multicultural church is really messy. And by the way, it's a lot easier not to have a multicultural church. Some of us sitting here together should not be mixing according to some folks. We should be in the most secluded hour of the, of the week, which is Sunday morning, right? There's a, there, and even in, hum, uh, in churches that are, uh, I would say, non-diversity. Non we find that there's, there's an aspect of us who wants to, to be together. So when I started up a church plant in San Diego, California, by the way, this is where I moved from God's people. It was a call from God for me to move back to Chicago. I knew what Chicago was like. I would be in shorts right now in San Diego, okay? And we had, you know, we had a congregation of 28 folks that started working together. And they were age, ages 86 to 95. That was my core group. And they knew that if they didn't have a pastor that was going to search the community, which was mainly Anglo, Latino, African American, Asian American, and uh, uh, Samoan, that they were going to die. And by the way, I got to officiate the funeral of 20 of those saints. 
But I remember when people started coming from the community. You know, I brought a jacket because I don't know how to dress sometimes in churches, right? Some of you came in church and praise God for that. God knows you need some sun in those legs. But the thing is, you know, I bring a jacket because, you know, you, you never know, right? Some people don't like that I don't have a tie, right? It's, we have 111 churches. We have African-American churches. We have Latina churches. We have multicultural churches. And multicultural churches are the hardest to grow because there's just so much diversity. Some people like to hug. You know who those are. Some people do not care for hugs. And you know who you are too. But in this multicultural church, we knew that the value was for us to be together in spite of our differences. That we were going to find Jesus Christ to be the main thing in our church. And you've done the same. Thank you for that. Whether you have a PhD or you didn't go to high school, what you, you, the word of God here is being preached in a way that we can all understand and we can all have a fresh perspective on that. And that's very difficult to do, God's people. I hope you realize how special your church is. Can I hear an amen, please? So in this place of discomfort, Jesus is telling the disciples, I'm going to die. And by the way, I'm going to rise again in three days. But they didn't hear that. All they heard was, we're going to Jerusalem. That's where I'm going to get killed. Someone is going to nail me on a cross, but three days later I'm going to rise again. And the disciples said, no, we don't want you to do that. Peter actually got in his face and goes, no, that's not going to happen. And Jesus had, had to say to Peter, Peter, Satan is using you. Get away from me. He told the father of the church to get away from him because Satan was inside him. May we never be used by Satan. Go on the next slide, please. Jesus comforts his disciples. The church could use some comfort right now. In the Evangelical Covenant Church here in the Central Conference, we've had over 40 deaths of people, mainly in the African-American church and the Latina church. We had more deaths than that, but that was the initial reports the first year of the pandemic. We are in a place of inconsistency. On top of having a pandemic, we have a transition. And by the way, there are some people that think that a pastor should never leave a church. And the fact is most pastors leave after five, six years. And that's, and, and that's average. And I know that because that's part of our job in the church is to walk with churches that need a pastor. Especially in the Latina churches, they feel like you betray them because you left the church. Bro, I serve the Lord. And we go where the Lord sends us. Jesus does know what we're going through. In spite of the differences that we might have, God knows exactly where you are in this point and where, where you need comfort at. Some of us are hurting because our family is in pain. Some of us are hurting because of the news. Some of us have felt isolation through this pandemic. But Jesus cares about each and every one of us. Do you feel that? That was not a rhetorical question. Do you feel it? Go on to the next one. So Jesus is calling us back to him. Jesus says something that is really, really profound in this statement. Not only does he want to call us back to him, I realize there's no hope in death, right? Once somebody dies, they're dead. They're not coming back to church on Sunday. Imagine if somebody passed away on Saturday, and then on Sunday they're sitting right in the front row. I mean, that would be weird, right? So for Jesus to say that he was coming back, I mean, that was a stretch of faith. I know you think that you would be, have believed Jesus, but I don't think so. 
Dead people do not come back from the dead. But Jesus is no ordinary person. Jesus is the Son of God. And if he says he's coming back, he's coming back. There is no hope in death. Go on to the next one, please. I love the, the <laughs> I love Thomas's reaction to this. Uh, Jesus, uh, where are you going? We don't know where you're going. How can you say to follow you if we have no idea where you're going to go? And, in, and this is the fact we Christians, you know, we want to say we want to follow Jesus is by faith, not by sight. But we want to know exactly where we're going. Because we want to know how long it's going to take to be there, whether we're going to need a bathroom break by the time we get there. Of course, you have to be a certain age to think of that, right? But you have to, you're trying to find out exactly, God guide me, but give me specific steps on how that's going to happen. Because I trust you, I think. And following God sometimes means following him, not knowing what your next step is going to be. Only knowing that he said he will be with you, he will never forsake you, he will never leave you, and he will always be your God. Do we really believe that? And if we do, what colors are we showing? Like the song. Get it? How I tied it to the song? Okay, very good. Lord, we don't know where you're going. You see, we want to be Christians that are comfortable. Because as Americans, we love comfort. We want to be comfortable. And there's nothing wrong with comfort. But being a Christian that says that you pray for your enemies, what? Pray for those that vote differently than you. What? Pray for people that persecute you and hurt you. Pray for your enemies. There's virtue in praying for those that hurt us. That's not what we want in Christ. We want to rule with him like the disciples, right? The disciples were fighting with one another. You know, I'm going to be bigger than you, and I'm going to be, you know, sitting at his right hand. Actually, two of the disciples came to, to Jesus, and they brought their mommy with them and said, would you please tell them, you know, can we sit at the right hand and the left hand? And Jesus is looking at them like, ay, ay, ay. Those discípulos, hombre. He turned his panic once in a while. Go on to the next one. So he says three things. He says, I am the way. There's only one way. By the way, this is exclusive. This is not inclusive. This is exclusive. Jesus says, he is the way. He didn't say, I know the way. He says, I am the way. That's not politically correct, Jesus. But he's God, so he can say whatever he wants. He says, I am the way. What does that mean? There's only one way direct to the Father. He says, follow me even when it's not attractive. And God's people, if we really want to redeem Christianity because the name evangelical has been torn to pieces. It's been given a bad name. Some of our churches have even called me, can we please not use the name evangelical? Evangelical is supposed to mean good news, by the way. And I go, don't use it. But God does give us a covenant. There's a deep theological partnership there with God. Let's follow God even when he's not attractive. Let's be followers of Jesus. And Jesus says, I have shown you the way. So what did Jesus show them? Jesus showed them how to treat a woman that has been accused of adultery and treat her with respect. That's my Jesus, by the way. Jesus taught us how to use someone that is a leper that is 
someone that is considered unclean and they should never touch. And he goes up to him and he just puts his hands on his face and cleans them. He's shown us how to love people that are unlovable. And he's shown us how to tell the truth. When the rich young man comes to him and says, I want to follow you, he goes, well, go and sell your stuff and come back. And he left away because he was very rich. And Jesus told the truth. That's going to be in your way. You need to follow me. So what is truth? Jesus doesn't say, I know the truth. He says, I am the truth. And this is something that I'm, I'm preaching to myself this morning, by the way. I hope it, this is good for you, too. Because I have learned, you know, Latinos are not the most com confrontational people. How many of you knew that? Mickey, raise your hand. <laughs> Michelle goes, yeah, raise your foot, too. We don't like confrontation. If you say something that, that hurts us, we're not going to tell you anything. We're just not going to talk to you anymore. We're going to avoid you like good Christians. I'm not going to get invited back, am I, Michelle? I'm sorry, but I got to tell the truth. I got to tell the truth. We got to tell the truth. You see, we, we talk about culture and we glorify culture. Culture is not to be glorified. It's to be respected, it's to be celebrated, but it's also supposed to be sanctified through Jesus Christ. This part, and some of you are not one of saying amen, but and I can't blame you. But there's some parts of culture that are sinful that we need to confess and we need to repent from and we need to be changed. And if you don't like the truth, if you have a hard time speaking truth, and by the way, this doesn't mean you just go tell people, hey, your hair is terrible. That, that's truth without any helpful information in there. Somebody told me, Pastor, you need to lose weight. Yeah, that's true. But how do we do that, right? <laughs> Telling the truth without love is putting information on the table that cannot be, cannot be used. And telling nice things without the truth is also deceitful. We need the truth. Jesus says he is the truth. Why does he say he's the truth? Go on to the next one. It, it causes me to, to say that in the middle of transition, in the middle of change, we need to surround ourselves with truth tellers. Who have you given permission to tell the truth? I know you tell the truth. I know we strive to tell the truth. I'm not saying you don't. And I want you to really be, in, in, be intentional in telling the truth in love. But how many people have you given permission to tell you the truth? How many people have you say, I really need you to be honest with me, and if you ever see me messing up, I need you to tell me. And I need you to tell me in love, but I need you to tell me when, I'm be, when I have any shortcomings. You see, I, uh, it's difficult to not have truth tellers in your life. I have five mentors that have walked with me for the last 10 years. And I would not be in the place that I am today if I did not have people telling me the truth in love. I've come to these people and say, this is the plan that I have to do with the conference. And they've said, no. And they tell me why. And I don't like it because in my opinion, I know the best thing for me. Anybody share that with me? You know what's best for you. We even pray to God that way, don't we? We don't tell the Lord, let your will be done upon me. We say, do this, do this, do this, do this, do this. Thank you. And send some to my sister too. Amen. And God has become Santa Claus. Take 
a lesson of how you pray to God. Is it a relationship or is it a questionnaire? Is it a relationship or is it a uh, gift registry at Target? I'm missing your worship leader. He would be the only one going, aha. Who can critique you? How do you react when people critique you and criticize you? By the way, I hate it. Can we confess that? I don't like to be criticized, but guess what? It's part of my job, and I have to go along with that. And I also have to be introspective and say, where am I sinful here? Where can I be better? Who have you given permission, and do you seek the truth? I think that this is the most important thing about Jesus saying, I am the truth. Because if you are the truth, if you love the truth, you love Jesus. You love Jesus. I love you. I'm going to tell you the truth. You love me. You tell me the truth. It's like you seeing me come up here after being sitting with me, Ruth, for a couple of, you know, for a few minutes. And I have a booger on my face. And you don't tell me that I do. Or you don't give me a tissue. You're not taking care of your brother. Right? We need to be able to tell the truth in love. And I'm telling you because that has happened to me before on video. Televised, not through Telemundo, through Facebook. Go on the last one. In order for to live life more abundantly, we need to become discerning. And better discernment is for all of us. In our denomination, we've also had a lot of transition, and some of it has been because of life, but the other has been because of our lack of discernment. We have something in our denomination called covenant nice, where people just don't want to tell any, any discomfort or any, anything that's going to cause discomfort to other people. But the fact is, we need to be able to tra- tell the truth in love, and we need to be able to hold leaders accountable. That's part of who the covenant is. In order to live life more abundantly, a life of a follower and a disciple, let's not just be on a political spectrum. Let's be disciples and followers of Jesus Christ. And if we claim to be Jesus' followers, then the things that are important to Jesus are going to be important to us, like the poor. And who wants to take care of the poor? They take our time. They take our money. They want to tell us their story. You have to invest in people and love people. You know, loving God is easy, right? Love your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. But then loving your neighbor is the pain. Can someone say amen to that? And if you can't say amen, say ay. Yeah, that's the way we would say that in Spanish. Ay. Like that. I'm teaching you Spanish today. Duolingo 101. Fulfilling the expectations of Jesus in life. In the face of adversity, in the face of transition, in the face of change, not knowing where that's going to be, not only do we have faith in God, but we know that he is the way, that he is the truth, and he's the one that gives us life more abundantly. Not like the prosperity preachers teach it. Has anyone heard of prosperity preachers? I've been asking the conference for a helicopter for four years now. And there's someone here in the church that I won't mention his name. He won't give it to me. I don't need a helicopter. It'd be nice, right? But then you would have to put a helipad right on, on this and 
with the parking, you know, we kind of need a helicopter to come here. But Jesus is the life. So to summarize all of it, Newcom, do you follow Jesus Christ? And if so, is Newcom reflecting the values of Jesus? He says he's the way. Are we showing people the way? Are we, are we like John the Baptist? I would not have wanted to be John the Baptist. I, am, I need a little bit of the spotlight, okay? John the Baptist, they tell him, are you, are you Jesus? Are you the Messiah? Are you the one? And he goes, no. I cannot even tie his shoes. But when Jesus comes around, what does he say? There is the Lamb of God that will take away all of your sin. That's him. Can you come point to Christ? Not only for Easter, because we celebrate Jesus in his birth, right? We celebrate him in his miracles and in his life, right? We celebrate him in his death, which is kind of weird, but we know how this ends. We celebrate his resurrection. Is Newcom celebrating his second coming? Newcom, Jesus is coming back. We don't hear about that anymore. He's coming back. And if you don't know that, that's a great thing to ask your, your leaders. So to finish up, let me ask all of you to stand. And I want us to say this. This is the old version. But I want us to say that. Jesus said unto him. Would you read that with me? Jesus said unto him. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. So let me invite you to close your eyes and let's pray together. And as we sing this last song, some of you may know it, some of you may not. Just, just hear the words. It says, Tu fidelidad es grande. Your faithfulness is great. We today confess that Jesus has been faithful to us. Because he has been faithful to us, we are here today. And we can be in victory because of Jesus Christ. What are parts in your life where you need discernment? Is it your children? Is it your family? Is it a toxic family member? Is it something in your life that needs to be changed? I pray this morning that the Lord will carry you through this. Because He is the, the way. He is the only way. He is the truth. And He is the life. Tu fidelidad es grande. Tu fidelidad incomparable es. No hay nadie como tú. Bendito Dios. Grande es tu fidelidad. If you know it, would you sing that with me? Tu fidelidad es grande. Oh, tu fidelidad incomparable es. No hay nadie, nadie como tú. Bendito Dios. Grande es tu fidelidad. Father, I pray for Newcom that in this season of change, 
their faiths would grow stronger. That they may know that we don't follow a man or a woman, we follow Jesus Christ. I thank you and lift up the leadership team. Thank you for their leadership. Thank you for their wisdom. And I pray that you will be in, with guidance with them. You'll be in guidance. Father, I pray for the staff and I pray for those that are moving on to different adventures. Father, may they be blessed. May they be apostolos. May they be sent with the blessing of Jesus Christ. May we be the hands and feet of Christ to those that are suffering, not only in Texas, but here in the south side of Chicago, in all these places of pain. I bless you for being our God. Thank you, Jesus. And thank you for our church. God's people say, Amen.